Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode on For Generations to Come, where I am your host, Moesha Gray, and here we break generational curses by sharing wisdom through our stories. Okay, first of all, I want to say thank you for getting on. First of all, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your name right. I say it all the time, Shatara, correct? No. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) You know what? Everybody says that, and I'm like, no, it's Shatira, and they're like, well, why there's no E's in it? I'm like, I don't know. Ask my mom. You probably <laughs> knew I was about to say Shatara. Um, everyone, everyone says Shatara. Like, it's not. It's so normal. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that was definitely new. That like really caught me off guard. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I can say her name wrong. Come on, it's right here. That is so funny. Okay, so Tara, do you have a nickname? So most people call me Tara. Okay, I'm probably just gonna stick to Shatira because I don't want to. I don't want to mess them say Tara again. We're just gonna (laughs) stick to what we know. Okay, that's fine. Okay, first I want to say thank you for joining us um, on here. Thank you for being able to, you know, willing to share your story. Um, and just to help impact lives, because a lot of people need to hear um, different people's story, no matter what background or, you know, what uh, trial or season that you've come from. So I just want you to start off just by introducing yourself. I'm glad you said the name thing right. We already got that out of the way. <laughs> so you can just start off just by introducing yourself, letting us know whatever you want us to know about you. Okay. Um, well, thank you, Moesha, actually, for allowing me to be on um, your podcast. It really is a blessing, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, so my name is Shatira Lene. Um, I recently just got married, so May 19th, is, it's been a year, so I'm so grateful and just so blessed that God has given me my dream king, okay? It's something I've been wanting and something that God has placed in my heart um and and just gave me so I'm really blessed with that um so a little bit about myself so I do I'm I'm in love with fashion um I'm in love with God and I'm in love with love so those are the three things that I really live my life by because I feel as if those are the most important um you have to have a relationship with God and you and you can be cute while doing so and just to be in a relationship with my husband it just show me it just has helped me become another woman that I never even thought that I could so I'll definitely like to talk about my marriage as well and that's pretty much all okay since we are already talking about your marriage and all of that <laughs> that was a big part that stood out to me um definitely when I went on your YouTube and I watched your videos and like basically stalked you. Uh, so <laughs> I listened to a lot of the stories when you all talked about being celibate and especially another story, which is really big today that a lot of us deal with is um, your season of depression as well. So yeah. I just want to, I just want you to talk to us a little bit about the, your celibacy story. First of all, what, what sparked you into deciding that? Because it all has to start with the decision. Exactly. So my boyfriend at the time, which is, you know, my husband now, but we were living together um, and we were always broke. Right. And so we would go out to the clubs every weekend. We will be drinking, we'll be smoking, like partying, like 
just living our best life that we thought was our best life. And we just were, we were just doing that like all the time. And then I was like confused because I had a good job and he had a good job, but it was just really weird as to like why we were so broke. And so after a, after a minute, I was really, really tired of the life that we were living. And so I started to go to church. Um, I was, I was born and raised in the church, of course. Um, but when you get older, you know, you kind of just like stray away and you just kind of feel like mm-hmm. you're going to do what you want to do and you grown. So you going to make your own decisions. And, and so that's, that's where I was in life. Like that was, that was where I was. Um, so then when I, but I always would go to church regardless every Sunday, but it was just me filling up a seat mm-hmm. um, opposed to me really taking in what God has for me and really applying that to my life. So I had got to a point where I was really trying to, you know, get that relationship back that I knew that I had with God. And so in order for me to get the relationship back, you know, I started to go to church every Sunday and really go for a word and, and, you know, just putting all of my sins out there and just asking God for forgiveness. And then, so I would pray, I would fast, um, and so my boyfriend at the time, he wouldn't go to church with me. He would just see me going. And so one particular day I was like, you know, like he saw me getting ready for church and he was like, she's really serious about this. So then he began to go with me and then we both started to go and then he got baptized. And then I was like, okay, God, I see you moving in our lives, you know? And I will always say this prayer, like, Lord, if you do not see him for me, please remove him from my life. Because I'm trying to be right with you. I, I, I want to be whole. And, and I really want you to use me. But I know you can't use me if, I'm, if this is not the guy for me. Because he's going to be holding me back. Mm-hmm. And so I would pray and pray and pray. And he never left. And so one day, we both went to church. And I had went to an afternoon service where my cousin was actually preaching. And he preached about really giving God your all. And really, really giving him your all and see, like, what he would do. And during that message, I totally felt convicted. I totally understood exactly what I needed to do. And I knew that I had to do it. So I came home from church, you know, afternoon service. And I was like, hey, babe, like, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, I don't know if you're for it, but let me know. And I was like, I want to go celibate. And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. He's like, it's so funny that you said that because I was already thinking the same thing. And so when we when we began to converse with each other about why we thought this would be a good decision for us, he told me that he had received the word too, and it had given it had given him confirmation that we both needed to. So it was just God was already working. So we, of course, we were you know in the process of trying to be celibate, but of course, you know, by us living together, we it was hard. You know, we had did everything wrong in the beginning, um, everything outside of God's will. So now that we were back in his will, we had to live with our, you know, with our decisions. And so, you know, we messed up a few times, but then once we got on track, we were able to sustain ourselves until we got married. And it was, I believe it was, um, I want to say 16 or 18 months that we were celibate. And it's just been like a blessing ever since. And literally one of the best decisions that we have ever made in our lives, um, just because it showed us how to be disciplined. And it really 
during that time, you know, we lived together, we slept in the same bed. So it was very tempting, but we knew that God had a purpose for us and we weren't allowed to, we weren't able to flourish in that purpose until everything inside of us was actually correct with God in alignment with God. So it's, it's been a blessing and, and I, I would do it again if I had to, because it was just marvelous blessings that have come out, come out from, you know, just being disciplined. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, you just gave a whole, whole mouthful. So, <laughs> so I heard you say that, um, you know, it was difficult and you all have slipped up a couple of times, but what would you say to those who feel as if, you know, I've already messed up anyway? Cause honestly, I was one of these people a few years ago, like I already messed up and trying to use God's grace and mercy as a, um, something to fall on and just as an excuse, what would you say to someone who feel as if they've already messed up? So I might as well keep messing up. Honestly, I say keep trying because God is so grateful and God is a forgiver of another chance and another chance and another chance. You know, it's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the end result is what matters most. That end result of you trying, that's what pleases God even more. So if you're trying to sustain yourself and if this is something that you really want in your heart, God is going to bless regardless because your heart is right with him. So just don't give up and just keep pressing, you know, and just get that, get personal with God and just lay it out there for him. And he will make those steps for you to honor, you know, for you to honor what you want to do for sure. So during this season that you all were going through being celibate, especially celibacy is already hard enough, but when you are living with the person, (laughs) That's like it a was whole, crazy. oh my goodness, that's a whole nother <laughs> level. So what, um, what, I lost my exact whole train of thought. I do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to, um, your prayer life and all of that, because I, I will say before I got married, I tried being celibate and I failed miserably. Okay, so let's just say the marriage may have uh, saved me. But I think that my biggest thing that if I could go back, I would do is to build that relationship with God. Because, you know, it was like, just like you said at first, I was just filling a seat in church. And, you know, I loved God or I said I love God. And I went to church and I volunteered and I did this. But I never got that deep relationship to him with him where I could just say, you know, I want to be celibate and I'm actually submitting that to God. So I think that um, the question I really want to ask is how was your prayer lives? Did you all really, really dive deep into the word? No, we really did. Yeah. So we would make sure that we were reading our Bibles together um, before we went to sleep and make sure we praying together. Um, We made an effort to go to Bible study together. We just really tried everything that we possibly could to make sure that we were in alignment, you know, with God. And we would, um, we would just like fast together and we just made sure that we were on one accord because it's so easy to get distracted and it's so easy to get tempted. But if you're, if you're, if you're putting more, if you're not like, if you're allowing your fleshly man to outweigh your spiritual man, of course, your, you know, your, your fleshly man will win. But that's why you have to continue to feed your, your, you know, your end man, because 
you have to because it's the only way spiritually you're going to be able to fight this thing. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's let's talk about as being a woman, how do you def- define the self-worth? Because I know that you talked about this in the questionnaire as well. How do you define um, this uh, your self-worth as being a follower of Christ being celibate what does how does that line up for you um with your self-worth and you being celibate at the time so during my relationship with my boyfriend well husband at the time well husband now but during that whole stage right of life I just learned so much and I learned that I was settling right I was settling because I was going to the clubs every weekend trying to find like a new high I was like drinking trying to like eliminate like eliminate issues that I had that I really needed to address but I couldn't and I started to settle and just doing those things that I know that I shouldn't have done and even with me and my boyfriend at the time you know we were going through different things and I felt like I wanted him so badly so I just began to settle instead of me thinking to myself like look you're the prize. Like, if he wants you, then he's doing good for himself. You don't chase after him. You know, God said when a woman, when a when a man findeth a good thing, and and it doesn't say when a woman has found a good man. Mm-hmm. And I had to realize that, like, no, I'm the I'm the prize. And if you and if you want to be with me, this is what you got to do. This is this is what I require now. I'm not gonna require you to smoke. I'm not going to require you to get drunk until you don't even know, until you black out. Like, no, I'm not requiring those things of you. I will require you to be faithful to me. And once I, like, started to lay down those requirements, that's when our life shifted. Because he was like, okay, I really love this girl, and I don't want to jeopardize not being with her. So let me really figure out, you know, what I need to do. And so during that time, I realized who Shakira was. And once I realized who Shakira was, it was like the best feeling. It was like a, a high moment because you're like, okay, this is this is what I am. This is who I am. This is whose I am. And once you realize that you are the daughter of a king, nobody can come to you and step to you any kind of way because you're because you're um, you, you you're you're not going to take anything less than, like period. And once I realized that, that's how I knew like, okay, I I, I found myself again. I found my voice. So let's let's so if we can work on this relationship, we can. But if not, we just can't. And I think that's another reason that helped me along my celibacy journey because it was just like I was like, this is what I want. And if you can't see it, and if you are having trouble with it, then maybe we can't be together. But we both were on the same, you know, the same wavelength. So we didn't have to run into that. But still, you have to put yourself first because at the end of the day, this is a ser- this is a, a serious moment between you and God, right? Like this is this is your salvation that's on the line. And if you and God are not on the same level, then how are you going to make it to heaven? You know, it's, it was something serious. It was something that I demanded. And thank God, you know, something that my husband was like, look. I'm going to marry you, so I'm going to do everything that I have to do, you know, to please you. And then it was some things that I also had to do, too, to make sure that, like, I was in alignment with my husband as well. Mm -hmm. So it just works out, you know, both ways for sure. So how do how do you think those standards start? Because um, 
we can think like that all the time, but I know now I know a few people that have a hard time setting those high standards as far as women knowing that they are queens, you know, that they're the ones to be chased after, you know, that they're the ones that are, we're powerful, you know, nothing yeah. that men aren't powerful as well, but um, just to know that there are a lot of women who have phenomenal high standards and then there are these people who bash those women for having those high standards um so what how do you think those standards have to start because in today's world we have the internet we have netflix and chilling we have so much around us that can make our um our minds fluctuate and saying that oh my standards too high let me lower it or you know what you just said as far as you know you had to realize who you are and if he didn't accept it he has to leave that is hard for a lot of women yeah it's very hard it's very very hard so how how do you think that those standards have to start I honestly think the standards have to start with you loving yourself Because if you don't love yourself, you're going to fall for anything because you are trying so hard to get that love that you are missing and the love that you're lacking. But the love comes within. So if you know that you're beautiful, no man can tell you that you're beautiful. You can't get excited about that because it's something that you already know. Like you can't like like nobody can come to you and tell you something that you don't know. So I think it all it all starts with like how we love ourselves, how we pour into ourselves, how we, you know, take time to ourselves, how we appreciate self-love and really make those steps to really understand that I love you, Shakira, like I love you, like I'm so grateful for you. Seeing those like positive affirmations, you know, about yourself. And once you start to say it and once you start to believe it, you will abide by it. You will live that life that you want to live because you know who you are. And I think that's something that we take lightly. We don't understand that, you know, the power of life and death lies in the tongue. And that's really serious. It's it's so powerful. So if you just speak positivity over your life, you will begin to see it and you'll begin to walk in it for sure. So my thing is, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of women that I know that want to think those things and they have that desire to, but they don't have, um, it's hard when you don't have people, um, around you that are uplifting you, supporting you as well. Uh, especially when you grew up with not good company, I guess, when you grew up with people who would bash you or people who would not speak life into you. Let's just say it like that. Um, so I don't know. I just want to talk about what, what can we say to those people who want to speak life, but they don't see life. Okay. I get, yeah, that's a word. I think, honestly, I think that's when it comes down to you and God, honestly, to have that open relationship with God and to, cast out all of your fears and to cast out all of your worries and your doubts unto him and allow him to really flourish through you you know it says that like if we really get down and we really just tell God exactly how we feel he will communicate with us he will give us the you know he will give us what we need in that moment 
And I think that's important too, is that even when you don't feel as if you are capable of living, God has you here for a reason. You know, it's you, you may not be able to see it, but you're here for a reason. You're waking up every day for a reason. So that's already a chance for you to thank God and to, and to try to figure out, God, why am I here? What is the reason why you have me here? What do I need to do to be whole? How, how can I be this person that I don't see myself being? How can I gain confidence? You know, it's, it's only so much that a person can tell you, but ideally the answers come from God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's very, very, very important. And just like really seclude yourself from the outer world and really get on your knees and focus on what's at stake. And, you know, mental health is very serious. And I believe with social media sometimes, we often, you know, compare ourselves and I'm, and I'm, I'm, and I'm talking to myself, like I have done it where I'm like, okay, I'm not where I am in life. And so then I will go and look on social media and then I will get devastated or I will get insecure, you know, because of what I'm seeing. But then I have to realize, look, you on the path that God has arranged for you, you know, everybody's path is different. It doesn't matter how you start. It doesn't matter how you finish. It always matters how you, it, it, all, it only matters like how you finish. And I think that's what's most important. And once you realize that like everything that you see is not like everything that you see is not what it really is. Once you're able to accept that and see that actually the life that you do live is a great life and be grateful for that, you'll be able to prosper more. You know, you'll be able to really walk in your in your journey and your path. You'll be able to feel better about yourself knowing that God is not done with you yet. I definitely agree when it comes to um, it, because it's I know someone who I have talked to and I talk to her like very frequently and she literally has like no no one you know you can have you know people around you but still have no no one um, so when I talk to her is as if I can't do what she needs or I can't say what she needs. So for me, I know a lot of times people say pray and I, I'm definitely, I would definitely just say pray, but it's like, sometimes that's all you can do. So, So for me, I'm like, you know, my heart hurts because I can't, I can't do what she needs to be done. That can literally only come from God. So yeah, I, I would definitely say I, I agree with you. I would definitely say they have to. It's like a fight. It's definitely a it, fight. It's a fight. It is a fight. Because it's like you especially when you feel like your back is against the wall. Oh man. You, it's a for real fight. <laughs> you're like swinging just to make it through the day. It's it's a battle. It can definitely be a fight. Um, Just to especially when you have no one else around you to have that, what you're looking for, it's a battle. I would say you definitely have to strive to keep pushing to build that relationship with God because at the end of the day, we have to realize that God is aware of our needs. You know, it may not seem like it, you know, it may just look like it's just us in the wilderness, but he is completely aware. And we say this all the time, he comes right on time. So yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, whew, 
another thing. So we're fighting with our flesh and our hormones. And so what are some boundaries or some things that you set when you decided to keep that commitment to Christ and to your body? To dress more appropriate um, where I wasn't tempting him. Um, And I think too, what was so unique about our story is that I would make sure that we prayed every night together because if, if we pray together every night and if you still feel a certain way, then look, bro, you you need to go and talk to God in the other room because after you pray, you gonna already feel convicted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really are going to feel convicted. Like, um, okay, so actually let me not try that. So once you really just like put in the work and you just like really just move differently, you just can't. We still kiss though, um, but we just really, it like we kiss, but we just weren't, in, like in, intimate or it wasn't really romantic it was just like oh I love you good night um because you just don't want anything to tempt you but we kind of just lived like we just did everything the same kind of like we just but like I would try my hardest to you know make sure that I wouldn't provoke him um at night and just making sure that we were on one accord kind of so what um what value do you think that that season of being celibate brought to your marriage? Oh, I think the value, the most important value, I believe is discipline. Just because like my husband always says like if I can not have sex with my wife, there is like absolutely nothing that I can't do. Like there 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 is like absolutely no woman who can like come to me you know, and act like and and try to tempt me, because if I if I waited for sixteen months for my wife, I'm not about to mess that up, you know. So like, I think it definitely the temptation. I feel like it has removed temptation for us. We became very very close too. And what I will say is that like when we were like dating, and we were having sex, like I only knew him. Like I I, I knew him. But, like, I didn't know him, know him. Mm-hmm. But then, like, once you subtract sex from the equation, you know somebody now. Like, you, because it's like there's no more emotion, you know, coming from the act of having sex. Mm-hmm. Like, like, your brain is, like, totally, it's your, your brain is not brainwashed anymore. Like, there is no, you're not acting out of love now. You're acting out of who the person really is. So I saw some things in him that I did not like. I'm like, okay, he is really messy. Um, I really don't like how we communicate. Um, it was like like things that I was like, okay, now that like sex is not in the picture, I can really see who this person is. And he really see who I was too. So I think it, it helped us to iron out those wrinkles before we actually got married because it's something that we didn't really notice at first. You know, it's like we were so attracted to each other on a sexual level and I think that we just kind of lacked when it came down to like mentally challenging me and intellectual like having intellectual conversations and and like we just moved differently when sex was not in the the equation so I know that you said that you all were on one accord 
but what what would you say to somebody if their partner is not on one accord? If they just do not agree with waiting and they continue to pressure them? I say leave. Definitely. Because you know what? If this person doesn't want you to make it to heaven, if this person doesn't want you to sacrifice something that God told us not to do in the beginning for your well-being, this person is not for you. And God will give you somebody who really deserves to be with you. Like, and that is a hundred percent facts. Like if, and I was like prepared, like if I went home that Sunday, like, look, if my boyfriend telling me he not want, if he don't want to do this, then we're done because I was so focused and I was so driven. Like, no, I have to get this relationship right with God. Like I just have to, like, I literally have to by any means necessary. And when I told him, he was like, oh yeah, I'm down. And it was like a blessing to know that like we were on the same page. And I and I honestly I couldn't imagine like life without him. You know, I, like it was just weird. So the fact that he was down with me to make this transition is just amazing. And I feel like don't ever settle. Like there's gonna always be somebody for you. That person just may not be for you, and that's okay. Okay, so let's switch the gears just a little bit and jump into um, your season of depression. So I see on YouTube where you shared your story on your season of depression. And I want you to just talk to us a little bit about that season and how you felt. Okay. So I had received this job in October. And I, like, loved the job. Like, it was everything that I could have, like, imagined. Like, the money was great. Like, the hours were sucky um, because I worked so much. But I, like, loved it, right? I just loved everything about it. I was, I feel like I was just having my own, like, independent woman going on where I'm able to, like, contribute to bills. And my husband don't got to pay for everything and blah, blah, blah. So in October, I was working there, and you have to pass a test to keep your job. And so the first time I took the test, I got a 73. I was supposed to get a 75. So after I got the 73, I was already, like, distraught. Like, I was so upset with myself. Like, I was crying. I remember I was crying so much, and I was just so disappointed. I was just like, Laura, why did I not pass? Like, why would you give me a job if you weren't going to allow me to pass the test? Like, like I'm studying every single day while I'm at work. And when I get home, my husband is, you know, testing me. Like, I'm taking this serious. I'm not even going out on the weekends because I really want to pass this test. So they gave me a second chance. They're like, you know what? We're going to give you a second chance, but you got to. You got to get this. You have to get a 75 or higher. So it comes down to December and I'm ready to take my test again. I felt good about it. I'm like, I got this bay. You know, I learned more than what I did last time. Like I'm, I'm going in there. I'm ready. I'm ready. I take the test. I'm feeling so confident. I get done taking the test and I look at the score and I think it said like a 65. And I was like, what? A 65? How did I go down? Like, how did I digress? And I was just, like, so confused. I was just like, Lord, oh, my gosh. Like, this is crazy. 
So, like, when I got my phone, because you have to, like, lock up your phone, I had, like, all these messages from my husband. I have called him, like, you know what, babe? I didn't pass. He, like, you didn't. I'm, like, nope. I'm, like, but it's okay. It's okay. So, I'm, like, Lord, what am I about to do? Because at this point in time, I don't have a job. And it was, like, I lost my job December 20. I want to say December 21st or December 23rd. So, it was right by Christmas. And I still had to get more gifts for people. I'm just like, this is just crazy. So then after I thought about it, you know, after the holidays, it really hit home that I really was unemployed. And so I went through this stage of not wanting to do anything. I remember, like, staying in my bed, like, doing nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to talk to God. I didn't want to talk to my friends. Like, I didn't want to do anything. Like, all I wanted to do was just eat and lay in the bed. Like, I would be crying my eyes out all the time because I was so depressed. And as a Christian, I never, never experienced depression before. Like, I like I have never, I mean, you hear people talk about it, but I've never experienced it, you know? Once you experience something like that, it is like the most hardest thing that you ever can get through. And I don't think people really understand like how depression really works and that it is real. And so I was just depressed. Like my husband was like trying, we would me and my husband would get into it like all the time because he would be, he's so, he's so positive. Like he's a, he's so optimistic about everything. And I was just like, no, no. And I, was, I remember, like, yelling at him. And, like, I thought that I was losing it. It was, like, this dark cloud over my life. And I've never, like, I've never experienced this before. I've always been, like, a positive person. At least I tried to be or, like, or fun, like, try to be funny and silly person. And, and to know that that was not me anymore, it was just crazy. So I would, like, try to apply for other jobs. And I'm like, okay. like I'm getting no 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 and I'm just like this is crazy this is really crazy so then we had a fast at my church and the fast was a three-day consecration and basically during that fast we could not eat or we could not drink for three days so while I was you know fasting I was like you know let me really take this in because I really didn't want to fast because I was so mad at God like I was so mad at God, and I and I never, ever said that in my life, or never even thought about saying that in my life. But that's what it was. Like that's that's how I truly felt. And so I was like, you know, let me do this fast. My husband may do it with him, so I'm gonna just do it. You know, I'm gonna just do it. I didn't even want to go to New Year's service. I'm like, I'm gonna just do it, whatever. So while I was doing my three day consecration. I started to feel the weight being lifted off of me. Like the weight was just again lifted off of me. Cause that during that time, I was able to really focus in on God for real. Like it was like I'm starving myself. Like everything that was every negative thing that was inside of my body was beginning to come out. And I was becoming more pure and more pure. And to the point where it was like, this is the Shatera that I recognize. And so during my three-day consecration, I asked God, I said, you know, God, I said, this is what I want. And I told God, I said, I want to be in L.A. That's where I want to go. I want to be in L.A. 
And so after my three day consecration, I asked my husband, I said, what did you, what did you ask God for? And, you know, he said, well, you know, I asked God, you know, to show me what he wanted me to do. Like, how can I be a better servant for him? He said, that's okay. And I said, well, what did he said, what did you ask for? I said, you know, I asked God, you know, to move us to LA. He said, oh, okay. Okay. So then we didn't think anything about it. Right. So then I kind of got out of this depression, but I was still sad that I didn't have a job. So then my cousin, it was just like my cousin randomly texted me like, hey, I had this like uh, my, my job is hiring in L.A. You should apply. I'm like, OK, cool. So I was like, OK, I'm going to apply for the job. So I applied for the job. I didn't tell my husband because I didn't want to, you know, geek him up. And then like, you know, I didn't get this job either because I was applying for a lot of jobs and getting interviews. But I was just not. They were like, we're sorry, we went with other candidates. Like, and this was my every day. So I was like, let me not tell him. Like, let me just keep it between me and my cousin. So then it got to like the second interview. And I remember it got to the second interview. I was like, okay, maybe I should tell him. So I told Javier, I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, like I've been applying for LA jobs and I got my second interview with this company. He was like, oh my God, are you serious? You I was like, yeah. And then he was like, okay, I want to start applying for LA jobs as well. I was like, all right, cool. So in this time, my cousin was like, Shatira, send me Javier resume as well because I can just get both of y'all in. I'm like, all right, cool. So I do my second interview, and then they're like, you know what? You didn't get the job. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So at this point, I'm like, what is going on? Like, why can't I get a job? Like, why am I going through this? So then I started to get sad all over again. Like, Lord, I know this is not what you promised me. Like, I know that I am not supposed to be this way. Like, what is going on? So my husband, he was like, so my so my husband went to the first interview. Everything was cool. The second interview went good. The third interview, like, you know what? We want to fly you out to L.A. So I'm like, okay. So he goes out there for the third interview. We both sneak out there to L.A. Didn't tell our family. Didn't tell our friends. We told no one. So then we go back home. During this time, we were looking for apartments. We went back home to Michigan. And while we went back home to Michigan, they're like, you know what, Javier, we really like you. We want to give you another opportunity to take, you know, to do another opportunity or to do another interview out here. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this really might work. So he took the sec- he took the fourth interview. He came back home to Michigan a week later. I mean, not even a week later, maybe like four days later, they called him and told him that he had the job. So now, in this time of me thinking that God was trying to abstain something from me, this whole time, God was really trying to bless me with what my heart desired, right? So my heart was, I really want to be in L.A. Like, that's exactly where I want to be. Like, God, I, I want to be in L.A. Before I even got the job, you know, and this would and so basically what I learned from this is you have to trust God, right? So the whole time I was depressed about a job that wasn't really for me because God knew that if I would have passed the test, I would have stayed there in Michigan. And if I stayed there in Michigan, we wouldn't have been in LA where the opportunities for my husband are endless. 
and opportunities for myself are endless. So that was already like a major blessing when I just got to subtract myself from the situation and really just think about what it was that he put me through to then realize exactly how he was going to bring me through. I couldn't even see it because I was so depressed. I was so upset with everything that had gone on. I was upset that losing my job, making great money. But then when I come to LA, I found a better job that had more money. So it was just like everything was just working out the way that God intended it to be. We just, I just had to trust him. And in that point, I couldn't trust him. I couldn't because I'm like, why would you take something from me? That's something that I really, really want. And, and it made me so depressed because I couldn't see where God really was trying to take me. And so during that whole depression season, what I learned personally is to really let go and let God. Because sometimes we put a lot on ourselves that we don't even have to put on ourselves if we just let God be God. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt like I couldn't see that. I, I was blinded. I was like going through it. Like I, oh my God, like that was the worst part of my life. That was like the worst, like, because of me being patient and just allowing God to work for me. And I think that's what's so important. And so now when I get in tight situations, I'm like, look, you need to be patient and just let God work. You know, and I and it's just it's just so miraculous how he how he just made everything work out for us. And it's just it, it's such a beautiful testimony. Like it was just a crazy testimony as to where like at the end of the day, like God had to know like you didn't have any good like this was not of you. This is all me. Like I receive all this victory, you know? And I think that's just so important to just really get out of that season of depression, like get out of it, try to get out of it. I know how difficult it was to even get out of it. It was so difficult for me. But once I got out of it, God, oh my goodness, it was, it was just beyond me. <laughs> God blessed us. Like it was, it was like, literally, I just, when I think about it, I just get goosebumps to know that like, nobody cannot tell me that God is not real. Like, like literally no one. Like no one. So do you think that God took that um took you through that season to shift your focus on him? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Because I was so focused on the money, right? I was mm-hmm. so focused on like how much money I was making. I was focused on like I, I was missing church. I couldn't go to dance practice because I was working so much. So it was just like my whole life had changed. And he wasn't getting the glory anymore. He wasn't being lifted up anymore because I was so busy, caught up in this job, putting all of my trust and faith in man and had given him nothing. You know, so that was definitely a faith that you make a situation for sure. So what did, what did you think that season of depression birthed out of you once you came through it? To really trust God, like trust him, even if you can't see anything, your life literally like my life literally was in shambles. I was so insecure. I was so I was like so negative. Like I was just like a horrible person. I wasn't being nice to my husband. Like I was just going through it. And in that time, 
all I had to do was just trust them. Because once I, once I began to trust the process, because even when I didn't even get the job, right? Even when I didn't even get the job in LA, my husband still got it. So it was like, it may not be how you want it to be, but it's going to always be the way that God wants it to be regardless. And I think that's what is so important is to trust him. Even though I couldn't see it, even though my life was going, everything around me was going crazy. I was so depressed, but you just got to faith it. You got to understand that he is not going to bring you the stuff. He's not going to give you all of these burdens and just leave you there. Like, no, he, it's a reason behind, you know, the way that he does things that we just have to trust that process. So definitely me now, I have to have trust. Like, I, like if I don't have trust or if I'm lacking trust, like my husband would be like, you're not trusting God. You're not trusting God. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. Let me get it together. Let me get it together. Because he never left me before, and I know he won't leave me, period. Oh, definitely. I definitely agree when you said trust the process. Uh, ooh, okay. <laughs> A couple of months ago, and I found out I was pregnant with baby number two, mm-hmm. and I was not planning it. I was... It took me about three days to get it together. Um, it was rough because I, it was all about me focusing on what I want, you know, yeah. the timing that I had planned. You know, I wanted my son to be about four or five and, you know, this was not in my plan, in my, my, my. So I think when I started to shift the focus towards God and although it seems like ever since I found out I was pregnant with baby number two, nothing has been going my way, but I think that that this season of my life, God has forced me to shift my focus towards him. And honestly, it's more relieving when you yeah. actually let go and breathe. Yeah. It's just more relieving because trying to do everything on your own, stressing about what's going on and this and that, it's just, for me, it brought me a lot of anxiety. And I anxiety is horrible. I would definitely not put that on anyone. But yes. it just brought a lot of worry. And once you think about it, you're like, it's not going to make anything better. Like the next day, it's still going to, I'm still going to be worrying. So, I mean, that's easier said than done. But for me, it was like a process of continuing to dive into God's word and continue to build my relationship with him, as well as make sure that I'm feeding my spirit with things that are positive, that are of God, stuff like that. Um, that definitely has been helping during this season. So I'm definitely in that season of trusting the process. Exactly. <laughs> so what about um? We're just gonna we're gonna end it, but I have just one more. I think it's one more girl. I had so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you tell someone that has accepted depression and um that they think that it will be with them for the rest of their life? Because I know some people who, um, for me, depression is real. I went through depression for about two to three years, and it was hard. It was very difficult. It was very dark. And just like you said, I really think that it can't be explained unless you go through it, which I hope no one goes through it. But for me, yeah, like you said, the dark cloud, for me, it was, like, so dark. It was, like, there was no way that I could have gotten myself out of that. So... Um, I thought I was just too deep in. So I know a lot of people who have still been depressed since I've known them since like middle school and we are grown out of school now. So I just want to know what would you say to those people who have accepted 
that this will be a part of them forever because it's a difference between saying I'm depressed and addressing the issue and learning how to deal with the issue and coping with it and seeing how you can get out of the issue but just saying I'm depressed and accepting it and staying there exactly so yeah I think me personally I think what I would tell people is you're going to get through it you are and and it's something that I thought I personally could not get like I was just like I can't get out of this like this is crazy like I remember just feeling like why am I even here like what why am I here I couldn't even get out of bed but once you really try to understand your purpose and understand that God has you here for a reason like you're you're you going through depression may help somebody else who really feels if that they're they're like they're on the line they're on the verge of like taking their own life you know like that might be your testimony to someone else because it you, you are in a deep place you are dark and you don't even see you don't even want to wake up and I think if once you really put God like ask God to you know help you because even I couldn't even I couldn't even I didn't want to talk to God mm-hmm. so if I didn't want to talk to God and I mean it, it, you might be able to you might another person might be able to like talk to God about something you know like or or like Lord please help me out of this you know I, I don't want to be here like how can I get out of this like how can you transform my life what do I need to do to shift focus you know, or just having people pray for you that you trust, pray for you. Um, getting like getting anointed, you know, trying to go through a fast, you know. Thankfully, I had like my mom and my husband there who will always like pour into me, even when I would have like my like my spasms or just like go crazy. Like they were able to pour into me and make me feel as if like I, you know, it was just a, it was just a, it was just a test, and I just had to get this test. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. But even if you don't have that support system and if you're not upset with God at the time, you know, just really ask him, like, Lord, what do you have for me? Like, I know that this is not something that you want for me. How can I get out of this? What do I need to do? How do I need to reverse this? You know, really put your flesh under subjection and really just try to get out of it yourself. I don't I mean, that's like the best answer that I possibly could could think of you know because it was it was different for me I didn't I didn't want to talk to God you know it was just my if my husband really didn't force me to do a three-day fast I don't even know if I honestly would have came out of it right away you know I don't know I agree I think that um just to add to that I also think that if they don't have that support system like I said I know a lot of people who don't um I would definitely just recommend getting around godly people that's going to church, going to, you know, church events, like small groups. Um, It's like different stuff like that, that I know I did because I had support. I had accountability. um, So I don't know how it feels to not have that. Yeah. But for, I know a lot of people who don't have it and they still push themselves to get in accountability groups to, you know, get in church and get surrounded by people who will support them. Right. So right. 
I agree with with you with what you said as far as your surroundings, you having that support. It was hard. Those two to three years of being stuck and depressed. I honestly don't think I would have gotten out of it if it wasn't for um the people that were surrounded by me. My stepmom had bought me a Bible for my birthday. I didn't open that Bible up until July. My birthday is February. Yeah. So I think that if I didn't have those people, you know, still pushing me to go to church, still pouring into me as well, then I don't know how hard it would have been for me to get out. But thankfully I did. I say it's all God because I literally exactly. I have no idea how I got out. Like all I can remember, you know, it's God when you can't remember how. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All I can remember. Yeah. yeah, It's just being like really dark. And it was like, I feel like I had gotten so deep in to where it was just no way out. And then I feel like the only thing I remember after that is that I'm out. So, and also remember too, like I did um, like read about like um, read devotionals in like your Bible app about like how to get out of depression. So that did help me as well too. Yeah. I think that also you have to want to. That is true. Yeah, it's a lot. Honestly, it's a lot of people who have gotten so comfortable in it. And I was one person too. I had literally accepted the fact that I was going to be depressed. I was going to be angry. I was so angry at everybody. Nobody liked talking to me. <laughs> like, yeah. And then the prop the thing is, I like that nobody liked talking to me. Like I was like, I'm just gonna keep being like this. Nobody likes to ask me anything. Nobody likes to say anything. They know I didn't like to be hugged. Don't touch me. Like I accepted the fact that I was gonna be angry forever. I was gonna be bitter. I was gonna be selfish. I was gonna be depressed. I accepted that. So I think that you really just have to want to get out. And even wanting to get out, you have to fight your way out. Because even though I accepted the fact that I was in the season that I was in, I still wanted to get out. Exactly. Like it, it was very hard. And I was like, God, I don't like feeling this way. you know. But I had gotten so comfortable in it to where... I just accepted it, you know? But yeah, I think you just have to want, you have to want to first. Um, I think that's a great, a great way to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's not easy. It's not. Um, and it hurt. It hurts my heart to see a lot of people going through it, especially people who I know have just had kids and it's having kids is hard enough. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so, I'm like, yeah, so I would definitely just say you just, you have to want to, and then you have to fight your way through. And even if you don't have the strength to fight your way through, put yourself in those, the church groups and the um, accountability groups and just open up. If you have to force yourself to open up, because I'm one person who is, it can be very hard for me to open up. So, you know, open up, let people know what you're going through so you can have that support, so you can have that person to call, person to lean on. So that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> Before we close it. this out, do you have anything else? Um, If I could just leave your viewers with anything, I would just say to really trust God wholeheartedly to understand um, that you are the prize and that you are a queen and that if any guy is not capable of loving you the way that you want to be loved then you just need to find somebody else and that is okay because God will provide you with your king 
Um, and just to really own it, like own it, own who you are and be bold about it and mm-hmm. love yourself. And confidence in a, is attractive. It's so attractive. It's so attractive. And honestly, I feel like if the guy cannot um, accept your confidence, that tells a lot about him. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them reveal it and it just exposes them or a lot of them just run away from you. Like, I used to really wonder why everybody seemed to want to talk to my friends and I'm just over here looking like, okay, because they knew I was the church girl. Like, I was the one that was not doing extra stuff Uh because, I mean... Yeah, so I would just definitely say that confidence is definitely attractive. It will attract the right person. That's the thing. I agree. So, yeah. So, where can <laughs> they find you? Um, so, you can find me on Instagram at Shatira Lene. That is S-H-A-T-A-R-R-A-L-A-N-A-Y. Um, and then I have a YouTube channel, and it's called Follow of Christ. Um sorry follower of christ with shatira lene okay and i'll have all of that in the description box um i have the name spelled shatara shatira but it's spelled, <laughs> Shata- it's spelled shatara it definitely is <laughs> so i'll have it all in the description box just in case you guys want to you all need to because i sat there and watched all of your videos and just was like okay when you gonna post some more yeah, but... <laughs> I'm about to start posting because people are not playing my games anymore. So I am about to start <laughs> posting more videos soon. Yes. Okay. All right, guys. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I am so thankful that you have stopped by to listen to us as well as thankful that you've stopped by to listen to Shatira. I'm making sure that I'm saying her name correctly this time. I want to thank you guys so much for hopping on and listening weekly, especially if you are a weekly listener. Thank you so much. What I want you to do is make sure that you click the support button so we can continue to make amazing content for you all. Make sure that you go follow Shatira on Instagram and subscribe to her on YouTube. I will put all of her information in the description box so you don't have to worry about getting any information incorrect. Just go look in there and go follow the instructions. And thank you guys again for hopping on today's episode. Another thing, if you want to share your story on FGTC Podcast, make sure that you click this link in the bio that I'm going to put or go to our Instagram, which is at underscore FGTC, or you can go to my Instagram, the host, which is at Moesha C underscore, and you can click the link in my bio and click the first link and it will give you a nice, good questionnaire. It's very short and simple that will help you share your story on today's podcast. Remember, your story needs to be shared. It doesn't matter if it's a big story, small story. It doesn't matter if it's a small trial, big trial. Your story is your story. And if you want to share your story on the podcast, please go click the link in the bio and do so. All right. So we'll talk to you guys next week.